Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin, and I'm a knockout. Watch a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling, and I am the most recent victim of the uh, cataclysmic Akira-like destructive abilities of the uh, the the John's or no, not the John Cena, the, the Hulk Hogan uh, 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 film career. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, so. In our last episode, we 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 hyped that we're going to start a new arc. We're going to watch. We're going to watch No Holds Barred. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and <laughs> uh, I made a mistake here in that I made the assumption that if uh, that Am- that no matter what, I would we would be able to do this through Amazon. You know, like Amazon Video of some yeah. sort, whether whether it's already on Prime or whether I had to buy the movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, and I don't know why. The video is listed as unavailable in my area, in my region. So it can't be watched. You can't buy it at all. Man. So there's the literally. Must, must just be that bad. <laughs> WWE's locking it in the vault. True. Like, like Song of the South. <laughs> Throw it in there. This is, it's literally WWE Song of the South. Yeah, so for what and it's not like it's not even like it's on Peacock or the WWE network for that matter. It's never <sighs> been on those. It's never been on either of those. Why, I don't know why. I don't know why it's not available on Amazon Video. But point being, there is no way for us to watch the movie. So we are we are pivot shifting to something else. Yeah, is that really such a tragedy though? With that with it, that old 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, is that really such a tragedy? You know, it, it it's good and bad news. Okie dokie. So in the span of about, uh, let's say, 14 hours, I have put together a new idea Holy shit! what we're going to do in this schedule arc here. It's impressive. So, it's still going to be about Hulk Hogan, because listen, he was kind of everywhere. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but instead, we are going to take a trip down... You know, a lot of the arcs on this show have culminated at SummerSlam by complete cosmic coincidence that I didn't intend for. Oh, my God. (laughs) So it's time to culminate at WrestleMania, I think. Oh, shit. Yes. Not just any WrestleMania. WrestleMania 3 in 1987, uh, headlined by Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. So we've done this storyline backwards in that our first two episodes down here in the golden era were pretty much covered a lot of the Hulk Hogan Andre drama, or at least the second half of it. You know, we had the match, the fake, the fake referee match. Uh, excuse not the fake referee, the, the, the twin referee match. The, the plastic surgery twin. Yes. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go back and watch the first part. <laughs> of this of this rivalry how it started how it culminated at wrestlemania 3 so we're going to begin digging deep into early 1987 wwf and so i've i've plotted this arc we're going to be today we're going to be covering and i guess it's a good time to talk about what we're going to be watching because nor because the a show of wwf at the time was wwf superstars uh we watched an episode of that with elizabeth to do the macho man wedding stuff Yes. Uh, unfortunately, most of that's not on the network. And the earliest episodes that are on the network is like late 1992. So you can watch like New Generation era WWF superstars where it was kind of co-A show with Raw. Or 
But, you know, the Golden Age stuff, no, I don't have any of that. Goodbye. Weird. However, we do we are in luck because what we do have is primetime wrestling. Uh, primetime wrestling was de- what was if WWF Superstars was the precursor to Raw in the sense that it was the A show where all the plot stuff happens, then de- primetime wrestling was the A the precursor to Raw in that it aired on USA Network on Monday nights. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So before Raw was in that the same time in that time slot, they did primetime wrestling, and primetime wrestling was kind of, was a studio show. Basically, the format of the show is you had Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon sitting in a studio, kind comic, kind of riffing on what's going on in the WWF at the time, which is kind of like <laughs> potentially the biggest hey. appeal of primetime wrestling is watching their interplay. And then everything else, but then during the show, what they would do is they basically recap the important bits from WWF superstars, uh, WWF, the wrestling challenge. That was the B show. And they'd play like house show matches from the significant matches. Like they throw in these matches that they filmed when they were in Madison square garden, or I believe a lot of these episodes on the, uh, the, uh, matches on this episode are from when they did a show in Boston. Oh my God. So like, not jobber squashes, actually. This is their reruns, but they are matches between two named people. Heaven. I'm in <laughs> heaven. And my yeah. heart beats so that I can hardly speak. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so that we're gonna be following this story played out on like first run through superstars. But we're gonna be what we're gonna be following this plot arc a lot through their replays of this stuff that happened on primetime on primetime wrestling. It's the full segment and everything, but it just, this isn't like when it or how it originally aired. This was the rerun. You'd be like, Hey guys, here's the thing that happened this week. It's kind of important. You should know about it. Rerun with, with some added riff commentary, I guess. Mm -hmm. They don't commentate over them over that com, but they comment in between. So like ah. instead of like like the commercial break, like before and after commercial breaks, they are on screen for a couple of minutes and they just start t- just kind of riffing. You know, I'd really love if they if they did it like during the match and was doing it like MST3K style. Mm-hmm. That would be so great. We do have various commentary. Uh, they 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 dubbed in or were used the original commentary for a lot of the pretty much any all of the matches, and they use a wide Ooh. variety of their commentators. Like they have Gorilla does matches, uh, Bobby Heenan does matches, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura is doing doing work. Lord Alfred oh. Hayes, who normally is just a backstage interviewer, he does commentary on this stuff. So you're going to be hearing a lot of different voices. Oh, that, okay, that's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of storyline, some basic overruns of storylines coming in is that Hulk Hogan is the WWF champion. Here's a shock for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, imagine what a imagine shock! Surprise. And he, this is actually uh, this art. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to show one segment from the January nineteenth episode. Yeah, January nineteenth sounds about right to me. Give me yes, the one. Uh, one segment from the January 19th episode of us uh, primetime wrestling and then the full January 26th episode. So Dope. yeah, because, because right now Hulk Hogan is the WWF champion of three years. Like he's come, like he won the title in January of 1984. So this is literally kind of a three year anniversary for him as champion. It's great. And did he hold it straight through? Yes. 
This is his Man. first run with the title that is it is it is un he hasn't lost it. Is this like the longest run with the title? No. The longest run with the title would be in the 70s with Bruno San Martino, who had the title for seven years. Wow. Yeah, that's the longest WWF championship reign in history. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, Bruno was only a two-time champion, but he held it for seven years, and then he held it again for three more years. So he's been a champion for literally a decade. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, that's just kind of the nature of... Uh, it's the kind of thing that I don't think could work today because of the because of the um, the TV factor in that like you see these guys every week, especially yeah. since they've made it a weekly thing. Like it's easier for a character to get stale. And so, whereas, you know, back in the, in Bruno's days or even in Hulk's days, they're not showing up on TV every week. They're not wrestling on TV hardly ever. You know, when you're only going to see Bruno San Martino wrestle like once a, a couple of times a month, realistically, because you're not going to fall. He's going to wrestle every town that they were, but he's not going to be like, but not the crowd's not the the people who watch one of the shows are going to see all the shows, so they're only going to see Bruno a couple times a month. So it's easier for them to it's easy for that to not get boring to see him be the un the unbeatable champion for a half a decade. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's and by the way, one of those things that like I wish I could go like how to use a time machine for wrestling as um is i would go back to see the match where bruno lost the title because everything i've ever heard about that like anecdotes is that like basically like you could hear a pin drop in the crowd when it happened when he lost oh and it's like God. i would love to see that because obviously no video footage of that exists yeah that'd be so dope mm -hmm. anyway so hogan is the champ for three years and in fact they are going. They are going to celebrate Hogan being champion for three years. He's going to get a trophy. Keep keeping that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, now we, uh, the Intercontinental Champion, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. He he was kind of as as much of a of a uh, big player on that title as Hogan was the WWF title. But right now, this is heel ass Randy Savage. <gasps> oh, nice. He's, He's all in on this heel stuff. Uh, I believe he's already have done this in storyline, but I don't remember. I can't figure out when exactly it happened. But right now, his kind of most dastardly heel act was wrestling Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And he basically like tried to like smash his throat with the ring bell. What? Yeah, so Ricky is like kayfabe injured. Because he's smashed, because he got his neck smashed, his throat smashed by Savage. He was like trying to take him out for good or whatever. What the hell? We're also getting a little bit of a, a casual. I don't know if they're they built to it yet or if they're going to start doing it on the show. But also, you get this. Oh yeah, you know what? No, what if I started by this point? Is you get this kind of inner. Obviously, a a big part of heel Savage comes from he treats Elizabeth badly. Elizabeth should leave. So one of the one of one of Savage's rivals right now is George the Animal Steel. Uh, George Ant Steel is basically this big, burly, hairy, ugly kind of guy. You know, classic wrestling archetype here. But he was originally this evil, mean heel character, but they turned him babyface and he kind of became like the lovable, crazy person. He like <laughs> rips turnbuckle pads open and eats the padding inside. It's delightful. <laughs> what? It's quirky and fun. 
What were the 80s? I, I'm, I'm going to be asking this a lot, this entire arc. What the fuck were the 80s? Yeah, so George Steele is, like, making a play at Elizabeth. Like, he he is the nice guy, but a kind of a big, dumb idiot who who is who is here for Elizabeth, that he would treat her so well, not like Randy Savage. Mm-mm. And of course, this is not this is not sitting well with the Macho Man at all. He ain't having none of this. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, then some other uh, a couple of other minor points to talk about that are I know are relevant to WrestleMania three. So I'm pointing them out here. Is you get is we're having a storyline. The tag team titles currently are held by the British Bulldogs, uh, Davy Boy Smith, and the Dynamite Kid. Uh, wait, the British Bulldogs? Yes, the they were originally a tag team. The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and the Dynamite Kid, the British Bulldogs. And then once the tag team dis, uh, kind of dissipated because Dynamite Kid's injuries kind of took him out of wrestling, oh, he no. became the British Bulldog. He took Davy Boy Smith, just took the title and kept it. That's fair. That's it was a solo fair. act. I can roll with that. Yes. They are the champions, and they're being chased by the Hart Foundation. Bret Hart, oh, of course and they Jim are. And we're kind of and, and kind of related to this is we have as we're running this storyline with a referee. Dan- they have a tag team title match coming up, but in the referee for that match coming up is also da- a man named Danny Davis. Danny Davis is a referee, but he's crooked, and it's he blatant he he. I want to say it's blatant because you know that because that's the story they're telling, but not like so blatant that he gets in trouble for it right now. But like the idea is that he is giving the heels favorable calls in as subtle ways as he can to help them win. And everybody kind of knows that he's on the take, but you know, not enough evidence for president Tunney to step in here, but like everybody knows he's a crooked referee. <laughs> God, I, you know, this is so interesting to me because you, you we've alluded to this on the show before and you've given me little glimpses of this, but referees as characters, this mm-hmm. is, it's, it's something that I haven't really had the chance to familiarize myself with because we'll watch shows and you'll point out referees by name. And I'm like, how the mm-hmm. do you know these people? How do you keep these people like in line? And I, I know it's established. You've you talked about this before that referees are characters, and that and that they kind of have their own individual things going on. But we, at least in what we've watched, really rarely get to see that. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty come and go. How much WWE tries to do that, um, and it's not. And it's usually there's only like there's so there's only like a few characters who people wrestler wrestling referee characters. I can tell you what their character is. You know. Dave Earl Hebner is known for being the guy who did the screw job and is also just kind of like old guy who ain't going to get fucked with. Um, Charles Robinson is like little Nate in that he is like, he, he has Ric Flair's hair. And so they like make jokes that he's basically like a Ric Flair fanboy. Okay. They, WCW leaned into that. Um, at one point, um, okay. you have most of the a, a couple of the AEW referees. I can tell you what their personalities are. Um, Danny Davis is we have the crooked referee. So like, there's a few, but it's not it's not as consistent. And I don't. And I, I, I kind of have fun. I kind of enjoy referees having a little bit of personality. Yeah, it seems it seems like a fun aspect to to wrestling that like 
even the refs get their own characters and kind of are their own identifiable like personas. And I wish I kind of saw them leaning more into that a lot mm-hmm. more than I do, because like, I, I do find it cool that you're able to pick up, pick out a lot of these refs by name. And it feels like this kind of like deep cut lore. Um, mm-hmm. And so seeing the, getting to see that play out, I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's the kind of, it's the reason it's, I don't think it's as consistent is because like there's, there's like, differing philosophies on that and uh, it's it's a not uncommon sentiment the idea that referees shouldn't be characters that it takes away from the wrestlers for the referees to have a character so that's why you see a lot of places situations where the referee is just kind of there because it's of a belief it's because it stems from a belief that like the focus should be on the wrestlers therefore the referees are only going to be a distraction well no it's understandable i'm just saying like mm-hmm. um it, I'm, I'm just saying like even if it's like to a much, much, much lesser degree than the wrestlers, which I think is, you know, the probably the right way mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, um, I agree. It, it, I, I think it'd be fun to see to see a little more of that because again, it feels like this cool deep cut lore to know even who the referees are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're gonna see the Danny Davis story play out alongside the tag team title situation, and then a kind of a a, a relatively minor one is that. Um, we have King Harley Race. So Harley Race is kind of like a legendary rest old school Southern wrestler. He's he's one of the greatest NWA champions ever. But uh, by this point, he's getting older. He's taking the he's here for the WWF paycheck, and he's, he's kind of he's, and he's a lower card guy at this point. Like he has some run ins with Hulk Hogan, but otherwise doesn't really do anything significant. And I think he was cool with that too. I think he recognized like, I'm getting older, you know, not my time anymore. I'm good with this. Uh, But he's running with Bobby Heenan and he is that he won a proto King of the ring tournament. You know, they don't, this was, and this was before they made King of the ring, like a pay-per-view. This was when this was like a house show thing gimmick of like the King of the ring tournament. And in proper King of the Ring tradition, you win and you and that and being a king becomes your character for better or for worse, usually for worse. Well, because I remember that I remember that with uh, with Owen uh, when yeah. we finished up, king when of, we finished up. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the king, the, the whole King of Hearts thing. I mean, we didn't really see all that much of it, but that was something you highlighted. And we saw that in that one video package. Yeah. So I, I mean, I can see why like I. I get the feeling they could do that without that, like overriding their, their characters. Uh, they could too much. like but, there. And there's definitely this period, like the late nineties, early two thousands where they just drop the whole shtick. Like they, st- you still win King of the ring, but you don't literally become a King is King of the ring around anymore. No, they've, they've okay. it's dropped. Like it's, a, it's the kind of thing that every like five years or so, WWE would just be like, Hey guys, we're doing a King of the ring. And you're like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, I guess we're doing that now. Because yeah, I've seen, I've seen like Booker. I've seen pictures of like Booker with King Bear recently, and I was like, yeah, he, huh. Yeah, he's one of the better versions of the King of the Ring as a King shtick because he went all in on being this goofball, like King well, Booker. Yeah, he went all in on it. Um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing that like just everyone's at this point. It's like every several years, WWE will be like, "Hey guys, King of the Ring time." And you're like, "Okay, I guess, <laughs> okay. I guess we're doing it again." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's kind of patted on the head. Okay, okay, buddy. 
Okay, sure, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, King Harley Race won. He's the king, and they're going. And him and Heenan are obviously going wild at the BID. Like, I'm the king. I'm legit. Winning a wrestling tournament is not a legitimate means of determining a governance or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> help! Help! I'm being oppressed. The jobbers. <laughs> and then but he's run afoul of the junkyard dog who is saying that he well you're king i didn't vote for you <laughs> i was wondering who i could make that reference with so i appreciate you doing that yeah. the junk the junkyard dog <laughs> well i didn't vote for you i didn't vote for you but the junkyard dog is a junkyard dog is a bit of a weird character in that he comes from the Southern wrestling and I'm going to be honest. He is wrestling. Yes. I believe Bill Watts, mid South Bill Watts. I want to say is where he came from, but let's be in like, it's the, it's this weird thing where like the gimmick is kind of a little bit racist. I think anyway, in that you have, it's this black man calling himself the junkyard dog. And he's running around with chain with like a junk, a junkyard chain over his shoulders. And he's like, Talking like he's a dog. Like he's like, I'm, I'm gonna get that bone. I'm fine. Give me a nice juicy bone. Why? The oh, thing no. is, though, it worked really well as a baby face character. Like everybody loves it. As a face? Yeah, he's a baby face and everybody loves it. Like every like he is one of the most beloved baby faces of this era of wrestling. The junkyard, the JYD, the junkyard dog. You know, the fact that it's a face does make me a little bit more amenable to it as, like, a charming mm. thing. Because I feel like if it were a heel character, I would just, like, despise it from the first grunt. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's very amusing. And JYD has taken umbrage with King ha Harley Race because it's like, well, you know, this, this is a free country. We don't have kings here. And it's like, it's a little like, dude. He's not literally a king of anything. So he's literally doing, I didn't vote for you. Yeah, he's literally like, you're not a real king. We don't have kings in this country. My God. So they're having a little bit of a, a, a spat on the low key. But that that is going that's going to lead to a match at WrestleMania. So I decided to bring it up. Okay, I, I'm down. I'm here for it. Yeah, and so that kind of covers where we need to be in 1987 in january 1987 you know i i i wanted this arc to i wanted this arc originally to kind of like prove that the 80s can be fun okay even in something stupid and now it's like i don't really know what i'm gonna get out of this i i threw it together last minute when i realized i couldn't we couldn't watch no holds barred so i'm I hoping mean, it's good i will say like seeing more of of Hogan and Andre, I think, could be a lot of fun. Um, I do, I, I do, for as much as I'll, for as much as I will, like, never shut the fuck up about like squad Wing for Miss Elizabeth. Um, I do really enjoy Randy Savage on a whole. Um, so seeing more of him doing his like intercontinental uh, title heel shtick, um, kind of full on, will be a ton of fun because this is, this is, is this pre or post Mega Powers? Pre, wait, pre, okay, wait, yeah, okay, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, because, when yeah he, so it's, it's when he loses, it's when he starts losing that title that is when working towards losing the title. When we watch, that's when the mega powers happens, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, so 
this is this is like earlier Savage, uh, kind of the iconic Savage that a lot of people uh, will associate with him. So seeing that'll be Espe- fun, especially um, yeah, especially aesthetically. This is a very this is like the iconic Savage time period. Oh oh oh, dang. Okay, so so we got we got the whole thing going, um, mm-hmm. and 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 I mean you know just the, the little side things you've thrown in mm-hmm. have uh, sound fun. I think I think it'll help to um, this is this is kind of my prediction is that. I am a much different wrestling fan than I was when we first dove in to the uh um to to the uh the the golden age. I I mean I I I've softened a lot on wrestling tropes and come to have a little more of an appreciation and understanding of like the history and mm-hmm. how it's still enjoyable even though it's goofy. Um so I'm interested to see thanks to that um, and with what seems like a pretty good lineup of things uh, of content, uh, content to consume here, um, mm-hmm. that, that I might, uh, I, I, I might get some legitimate enjoyment out of this. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I, I think this will be good. I, I know that Res- WrestleMania three is actually a pretty decent WrestleMania, especially if you grade it on a curve of like the early WrestleManias are not as good as the later ones overall on the, on the whole. So yeah. even on a curve, WrestleMania three is, is really good. So I've I'm heard, excited I, to build to that. Yeah, I feel like I've heard pretty good things about about three. Uh, I think that's one of the ones I hear is like one of the like maybe not legendary ones, but one of the ones that people like talk about. It's definitely iconic for a few reasons that we'll get to when we get to okay. three WrestleMania three. But there's de- it's very much an iconic mania. Okay, in the, well then in the no. Lore. See, well this, yeah. well this this is exciting. Then I I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to getting to catch uh, catch into one of the one of the iconic WrestleManias. Yeah. All right. So, uh, if you want to watch along with our with our content again, uh, with our episode again, it will be the January twenty sixth, nineteen eighty seven episode of Prime Time Wrestling, available on Peacock, uh, four ninety nine a month with ads, five nine ninety nine without ads, or you can Google. Uh, I don't know if I don't think the full episode is available anywhere. If you just Google it, but like the segment with Hulk Hogan in it is absolutely easy to find. I'll say oh, that. I'm sure. Yeah, the Hogan Andre stuff, very easy to find all of that. So Yeah. Definitely so that's so if you want to at least watch that stuff before we come back, you can My my beloved freeloaders can always check out our headline stuff with ease. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh see you guys in the back half. Hasta luego. And we are back. We have just finished uh, the January 26th, 1987 episode of Primetime Wrestling, as long as, as as well as one little thing from the January 19th episode the previous week. Yeah, yeah just just, uh, just a little extra. Oh my goodness. Wow, wrestling used to be a lot different. Yeah, no, it's very, a bit of, definitely a very different production from what we get normally. In this the was, modern times. this was super cool. Because I've seen little bits of clips here and there of like, you know, the old days of wrestling. Um, and we're catching the WWF pretty much at the tail end of that right here. Um, and it's so bizarre to see it dressed up so utterly differently. It was really cool, though. It was super cool to see it this way. I've talked a lot in the past about how um, uh, how much I enjoy it sometimes. When I get to sit back and pretend like the WWF is like um, is a legitimate wrestling show, this for the first time felt like for the entire time like they were pretending along with me. I've always questioned like how the fuck 
did people like ever get legitimately confused about whether or not kayfabe was a thing or not mm-hmm. and now, now understands they play yeah, all they, of this dead fucking straight yeah they they do they play they they try really hard to make this come off like a legitimate sporting organization <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a lot of fun it's i i don't think like I could ever get into this format the way I do, like when we're talking about like Lucha Underground or Summer of Punk or stuff like that, um, because it lacks a lot of that kind of like central narrative drive that wrestling kind of came to develop over the years. Um, at least, at least via this, I'm sure mm-hmm. like there was more going on when it's you know an actual uh, an actual episode rather than the the, the Heenan and, and Monsoon retrospective show, um, but. At the same time, like it was much fun to like see them. Like I said, just pretend they treated like this was this was a legitimate sporting event, and you got to really focus on the fighting. And none of the fighting was like the most mind blowing shit I've ever seen, but it was all it was all rock solid. Um, and some surprising, like surprisingly flashy stuff uh, at times for, for the era, like they, the, the guys pulled out, it wasn't just like the sort of punch fest you would think of when you think of all like the superstars of the golden age, like they pulled out some like surprisingly acrobatic, uh, acrobatic moves at times. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. The Dino Bravo match in particular had a really cool way to end. Oh yeah. Um, but even, even like, even before that, um, I'm trying to think, Oh God, there were several boys that got a little flippy with each other. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They did the sunset flip thing where the guy was like, eh, "Try not to fall," and then he like, yeah. Falls over, oh, the, yeah. The sunset flip was so cool. Like mm-hmm. that's one of those things where like knowing that it's not real makes it more impressive because mm-hmm. like the guy had to like fake being on the verge of tipping over and like fight against it, but he did it for a solid like fifteen oh, seconds yeah, or did. something. Yeah. Yeah, 10, Brutus Beefsteak was the one who did that. He did. He held that for a while. He was like swimming in the air, and I'm like, "How the hell are you maintaining that? That was so cool. I want to know like how you do that. That's like a that's like a physical magic trick right there." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really was yeah. That that was like my favorite that. athletic moment of the whole episode. Was 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 that right? That was so cool. Oh my god. Uh, so where do, where do we want to start with this? I mean the the we got we got our focus on the um sure. on the 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 Hogan and Andre thing, um, which I had forgotten that like Hogan and Andre were buddies for a while. Um, yeah, we're this is like the last bit before the heel turn. Well, this yeah, is, this this is a lot. I I put this here because it's the motivating incident. It's the inciting incident to it. Was this this little two part segment which. I, I went back and forth on like what are these episodes we should cover, and I kind of figured you needed to see both to get the full point, mm-hmm. and so that's why we did it the way we did it. That's so fun. yeah, the January nineteenth, eighty eighty seven episode, we get a recap of of the Piper's Pit. So I didn't mention it, but a lot of the story of this takes place during a pi- the pi- segment called the Piper's Pit, which is like a Roddy Piper themed talk show. Damn, whatever, what, whatever happened to the in-ring talk shows? Because we covered Piper's Pit, King's Court, Heartbreak Motel, Heartbreak Hotel OG version. <laughs> Probably because there's just too many of them. Like at this, like uh, knowing from this period in time, I remember you have uh, the you have the the Piper's Pit. Um, you have Jake Roberts has one called the Snake Pit. 
Um, a lot of pets. Yeah, eventually you're going to get uh, Adrian Adonis, who his character is like effeminate man, kind of kind of queer coded. Kind of, oh, he's the heel, of course. It's great, of course. But he but he has a talk show. He gets a talk show. Um, the gay pit. Um, no, not the gay pit. I don't remember what he. I don't remember what it's called, but I know he has one. Um, you get the brother love show when you introduce that character in a couple of years. So basically, like they just like that was like a go-to move for them. Brother love. Yeah, brother love was a parody of like he was a parody of like preacher of like really, really em- emotive preachers. Like if you like he had like he painted his face up all red as if he was like because uh, of how like the red face preachers get and he has the same like die acts he's the same accent. But he was any about relation love. To dude love. Any any relation no. to dude love. Oh, no. oh lame. anyway. But yeah, like there, there's more. But then you mentioned like the king, you have the king's court, you have the hot Shaw Michael said the heartbreak hotel. Like is literally like they just like that was like a go-to move for them as a apparently as a funky Tonk man also had the heartbreak hotel. I don't know. I think he was just visiting the real one. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about okay. that. But yeah, it's basically like they just had so many talk shows. Like that was the that was pre-attitude era that was like their number one like narrative device to have people cutting promos on each other was it is really they... funny. oh brutus beefcake has one too in the barber shop but that's later for him too oh my god but i was like here he got one like there's so many talk shows that is that that's like beautifully ridiculous and just like oops all talk shows yeah where's the talk show channel <laughs> talk show yeah no seriously wwf is a talk show um yeah yeah, no um but yeah so so we see between the two piper's pit eh, segments um the the uh designation of two different awards um uh first is as you mentioned the front half hulk hogan getting an award for his third his third anniversary or his third year as a um as, uh, as, 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 as 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 world champion um <laughs> and you know he's like he's he's all happy about it and at one point yeah, andre no. shows up um and is like yeah good job buddy this guy's great and and we're like yeah it's cool and he gets a big ass trophy and you know now jack jack tunney slobbers all over hulk hogan yeah because he, he he's he just goes down as of how great Hulk Hogan is. I know what the hell that was so. It felt so like masturbatory. I'm like, who's yeah. like? Did Hulk Hogan write this? Yeah, feels like Hulk Hogan wrote the speech. Yeah, seriously. I wish Heenan had tried to say that. <laughs> yeah, dude. He. Oh, we'll we'll get to Heenan. Um. Yeah, but, but uh, but but yes, and then and then uh, on the next one, uh, Andre got an award, a, a, a noticeably smaller award, um, for being uh intercontinental champion and just generally being such an important like part. The best athlete oh, not, in the WWF. Yeah, not intercontinental champion. It was that he was undefeated. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah no, sorry, he, he was no, undefeated for fi- yeah, he was undefeated for fifty. Yeah. Um. Before we continues. There we uh, are, David. You back? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. Undefeated. Yes. Um, he's undefeated for however long. Um, and, um, and 
he starts to hop on Mike and he's like, oh, yeah, it's a great honor. And then Hulk Hogan like shows up and like shoves the award in his hand and starts just going off about how great uh, um, about how great uh, Andre is. Um, and Andre gets kind of pissed and walks off. Yeah. So like after the thing, like the, the key point is that like is, is also Hogan framed it a lot about him, though, when he like he talked about how great Andre was. But he still made it about him, where he was yeah, like, "Yeah, he's, he's like, this man's my role model. He's this man, my role model. He's he's been saying he, he. I have modeled my life after Andre the Giant, and Andre, you can just see in his face, he's like, dude, yeah, what right. what what are you doing? Especially because yeah, Andre literally when he shows up for Hogan's, he literally just says, uh, three years is a long time, and then he shakes Hogan's hand and leaves. So not intrusive at all. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andre he stops talking. He's, he almost he doesn't even get really one sentence out. He's like, I just have one thing to say, and then and then comes a Hogan. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, although, like, it's it's kind of funny, like how they frame it, because like Andre clearly is like you know uh, uh, um, not of many words. Um, mm-hmm. So, but but it's still like they still treat it like he he was he got like super cut off. But it it is a dick move from from Hogan to just you know pop in like that and start going off um what i find what i find really funny about it too is like that it ends up with andre heel turning and not hogan even though hogan's clearly the asshole in this case not even the last time that's gonna happen i why am i not surprised i mean yeah i mean you can you can a lot like it's been said especially if you try to look back on it in a modern lens it's like man hogan was the dick for a lot of it for a lot of his enemies like he's a dick to andre everyone kind of agrees that Savage had a point about the about him lusting after Elizabeth. Yeah. No, I remember talking about that and being like, "Wait, why is Savage in the wrong here? Hogan's because objectively- Hogan because because Hogan he can't be the bad guy. He's Hogan. Yeah, except 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 uh, when when WCW comes calling, I guess. But that's uh, later. That's this later. Golden Age Hogan isn't the bad guy ever. So Even so what I'm hearing is that asshole. what I'm hearing is that Hogan is just like. Batman for golden age heels. He creates all of his, his own enemies. He does create a lot of them. I think that like, I don't know if he ever did anything to Piper. I don't think he did, but like uh warrior was a good guy. Good guy story. Bundy. He, I don't think he would have done anything to Bundy because that's a Heenan thing. But like I, his most morally right feud was definitely slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> when Slaughter was the Iraq sympathizer. And then oh, God. Yeah, so Hogan is just a petty asshole more all yeah. the time. And Hulk he, Hogan, yeah, he, petty asshole. Yeah, he creates as many enemies as just kind of come his way. Yeah. Um, so that's clearly setting up for Andre turning on Hogan uh for for good reason, let's be honest. Uh and what I find really interesting about that is okay, so to veer off into What's a t- it's a tangent for talking about this, but it's like not a tangent for talking about the episode on a whole. Oh my god, commentary. Um, <laughs> that I mean, I will say I really enjoyed the um the the the, the monsoon and Heenan dynamic. The two of them together were a lot of fun. Um, it felt like a um a much more quaint, but I quaint sounds condescending, but I mean it in like the most like I am legitimately unironically charmed by this way uh it's like this really quaint version of like jerry lawler versus anybody um mm-hmm. when when lawler was heel of just like 
the 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 heel will just say like ridiculous bullshit and the 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 face commentator will be like oh come now um mm-hmm. but but it's this great like it, it's it, they're they're both kind of on the same level of energy it's not like it's not like other uh um you know it's not like if i'm talking about lawler like lawler's constantly screaming and like his his uh uh his co-host will be like hey hey calm down there buddy yeah, it, he, it, yeah. they're, they're both Lawler, like they're, Lawler yeah. doesn't have an as like doesn't have like a, le- a volume level like he's <laughs> always like uh, on his like loudest and Heenan can yeah. do that too we literally saw that last time we were on Nitro but Heenan can also be his snark his snarky self eat at a normal human volume of, yeah of, yeah of, and it, it keeps the bit from going stale because like mm-hmm. because like I I puzzle sometimes about like why I have a distaste for Lawler at times, even like even though he's iconic, even though there are some things he says that are like funny and shit. And aside from like the times where his character is just being like a really problematic asshole, um, like it's just that the character gets so stale because he's just like constantly yelling. He's always at one level, and it never really gives a gives a full like dynamic with any of the faces. But here, what, Monsoon versus um uh versus Heenan felt very felt very equal um they're they're not like it's not monsoon like you know down here trying to chastise he was like all the fucking way up here mm-hmm. right there's 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 a there's a balance to it and so it's this it's this nice back and forth dynamic they they mm-hmm. really bounce off each other well and it leads to a lot of just like funny moments of Heenan being totally detached from reality no. <laughs> while monsoon is just like um monsoon is just like uh he's he's being um he's it's not it's not morally righteous he's he's just he's grounded and he's right but he also yeah. has he also has fun he he he's wily too he digs in on he and they'll chastise him in kind of like yeah, these snarky he, ways yeah he's he's willing to go down to heenan's level and yeah be an av and, and kind of snipe at him like especially yep. when he like when he calls him a weasel and <laughs> i and, know and he like wait and like that, that when he always gets called a weasel he always gets so offended by it and tries <laughs> to back off of it <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't aware that gorilla monsoon attended the hassan piker school of insults <laughs> or, the, or, or like That's the a- whole bit about the wrestlemania information where it's we open the episode where they're because they're advertising for wrestlemania 3 and being like march 29th is the date and we and Heenan tries to needle Monsoon about like where is it, and so Heenan decides he's going to investigate this himself. So like he has a phone set up on his side of the desk that he'll call to every once in a while, and he picks up the phone and is apparently writing all these notes. And when he answer, he takes the phone down. He Monsoon's like, "Well, what'd you find out?" And Heenan goes, "March 29th. That's when WrestleMania is." And Monsoon's like, "We, we already knew that." I said it at the top of the show, and he is, is of course, like, no, no, you didn't, no, you didn't, you didn't know that. Just he found is that like, out. He is like, I know things you don't know about WrestleMania. What a fucking liar, dude! What a fucking <laughs> weaselly little liar, dude! Holy no. shit! <laughs> and he and and Monsoon is like, you got you got question marks all over your pay all over your notes. Just question oh marks. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was so much fun. Like, uh, and 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 a lot of times, like, um, a lot of times, uh, Monsoon will be giving you know some sort of like measured commentary, and just Heenan will be there, like, with his arms crossed, like sulking, slouching his chair, and, and just be like throwing snarky comments, like mm-hmm. just, just just at the wrestlers that that Monsoon's talking about, and it's like Heenan is absolutely not afraid to play favorites. He's not, but it's so it's so much fun. Like, it, it doesn't come off as grating. 
Um, the the dynamic is really pronounced, but in a way that's it just it's just straight fun. It's not like one of them is overpowering the other. It's not like either of them are overplaying their bits. They're both um they they just have they just have a good rapport, and I could watch them commentate back and forth on this forever. Uh, it, it is a ton of fun to watch them together. I think. Yeah. Um, and it's fun, well, and it's. It, I think oh. it's also fun that like they don't that like they always go back and forth on who kind of wins necessarily. Like he, yeah. like, he like Heenan will get his last words in, but then also you'll have times where like Heenan's trying to make a point, and then Gorilla just keeps shutting it down, and being like, "And we're going back to the action." I know that was so good. They did, they did that in like the the one of the last matches. Like they cut mm-hmm. back to it, and. <laughs> and 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 team is trying to get a warrior in edgewise and and, and monster is just like nope 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 going back to the action oh well, well but, nope back to the action he he go why why do you ever ask me anything <laughs> you know it's a ton of fun um but what i find really interesting about it too is this is um something that's a bit of a rarity um in in wrestling like commentary promo cutting what have you is Heenan, at least in regards to well, mostly in regards to the to the Hogan Andre thing, but in a couple other places too, Heenan actually makes some kind of cogent points. Um, he's talking about how Hogan's coming in and just like making it all about himself. Um, and he uh, and 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 Monsoon's like, oh no, that's you're just you're you're just jealous. Oh, the, how mm-hmm. how could he possibly this? The, he he was saying nice things about about uh about andre how could he be making it all about himself uh but heenan's right um he's got a point yeah the, he has a couple places where he says things and he actually he actually has a point and i i kind of i think that helps too like it's not just like this is the morally righteous always correct good guy and this is the like asshole always wrong bad guy like it's more of the like um it's more of the the um uh how do i want to put it um th- the 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 pure of heart um um face the 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 kind of upright one the 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 kind of like lawful good um versus a uh more jaded perspective it's not that like bobby heen is straight up evil he's he's like super jaded and it makes him an asshole and he's like he's like lawful evil sort of thing um has, and, but he's, he he's allowed to be right he has the perspective of like cheating is the best because that's how you get ahead yeah yeah but he, a friend in need is a pest i know so he, he's he's like an asshole but it's it's not like it's not like he's evil and, and he does he does make some solid observations so that's kind of cool too that like there's some level of like fair and balanced tm with the uh with the uh the the, the face versus heel commentating at least with the at least with the the heen and monsoon bit the mm-hmm. in uh the the in-ring commentary a bit less so but uh but you know no, yeah the, the commentators which is billy redfish i want to hear say a local toronto guy and then at some point johnny valiant goes back goes in the booth to do commentary like they are they are they are unforgiving heels yes yeah. openly advocating i know for, i know for, it's cheating so and debauchery <laughs> i I mean that that that's never really changed, right? The, the heel no. commentators have always like they're always root for cheating when their guys doing it, and they'll always like you know make excuses and what have you. I mean, we literally saw this um, with the whole um, whether or not um, Andre uh, you know actually fully pinned Hogan thing or not. Um, mm-hmm. The that whole 
whole you know quote unquote controversy. We've seen that we've seen this even within this this very storyline. So so that's always going to be like that. Um, but that said, kind of going back to what I was talking about with the wrestling feeling like you know a legitimate sports competition for a lot of this. Um, I did really like to the in ring commentary treated it a little bit more like they were commentating on like legitimate sports by being like they were a little more analytical with what they were talking mm-hmm. about yeah um they would break down the move sets and they talk about uh the strengths and weaknesses and again not to say that we don't get this in contemporary uh contemporary uh uh, uh commentary we absolutely do but it was a lot more distilled here the focus yeah. was a lot more on that and like then you'd get like the 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 face heel bickering but it wasn't like it wasn't um commenting on the character of the wrestlers it was commenting on their in-ring work uh saying like even if it's ridiculous stuff like what's his face has to take 12 to 14 minutes to fully yes. power up uh, yeah, greg, greg hammer greg the hammer valentine yeah is... <laughs> valentine needing 12 to 14 minutes to power up like it's 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 all about their athleticism um yeah. which is which is kind of a fun it's it's a fun twist on what I'm used to in that like they still manage to have the good guy versus bad guy banter, but it's done within the sports framework a lot more rather than like you know quite openly questioning the care the moral character of each of each right. fighter constantly. Right. It's 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 a it's a difference of priorities of like like they're especially in this point in time they're trying to make this seem more like a legitimate sport to the audience. So in that sense, you have to talk about it like a sport. Whereas in more modern wrestling that has been a little more loosey goosey about that concept is more willing to let the announcers try to, instead of trying to comment on it, like a sport, try to push the narrative, try to work through like what the narrative is. Mm -hmm. I don't think either, I don't think either is a bad way to do it. I like both. Both are very understandable as to why you take that approach. It's just different approaches. I really like this, this like pure distilled form of wrestling. Um, Mm -hmm. It it feels it doesn't it doesn't feel bogged down like sure it doesn't have like the narrative like it doesn't have like the the compelling narratives that that I've been able to experience when I feel like the storytelling really reaches its like peak in terms of its potential, but it also but on the on the other side of that point it also doesn't suffer from the double edged sword that that a narrative uh, a narrative drive can be in that like if something isn't working it just it doesn't work for weeks and weeks on end and it just mm-hmm. it just stalls it spins its wheels it, it it crashes in flames it sputters out you know everything if it, 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 it's it's simpler and that's not that's not a judgment one way or the other because there are good things to 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 the to the more complex and there are bad things to the more complex um but it it, it is simpler and at the very least, that allows you to deliver a uh, more concentrated product um, that is is even though the the uh, the kind of like uh, potential threshold for engagement is lower, um, the the kind of floor for consistent uh, uh, consistent entertainment value is also higher. So yeah. you, you know you kind of you kind of meet uh, meet in the middle. Um, so it it was just fun. It was just plain fun to see it in this much more sportsy format yeah and so i guess to go ahead and go to the first match of you got 
uh, the Dream Team, Greg Val- Greg the Hammer Valentine, Brutus mm-hmm. Beefcake against the American can the American um, no, the U.S. What? No, not it's not the Connection because that's the Canium U.S. Express. That's it. The yeah. U.S. Express featuring Mike Rotundo and Golden Boy Danny Spike. Mike Rotundo, who Austin pointed out to me, is is uh, uh in the future becomes IRS, which oh my yes. god. Yeah, it's these. This is this. A few of these characters in this match are very different from the version of themselves that I'm used to. Yeah, so that's neat. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fine match. I'm trying to think of trying to think through like what kind of separates all these matches on this episode. And the thing that's, that stands, much. well, I think little minute things, but I agree, well, yeah, it's not a lot of things. But I think the 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 biggest thing I would think of with this match is like everybody cheating. <laughs> Oh god! Oh yeah! This is the one where I'm like halfway through. The ref was terrible. No, the ref ref is like kayfabe an idiot. He's yeah. just letting so much get away go, get get away with so much shit. Like everybody, especially in comparison to the tag team match in the main event, it was a lot more straightforward. Of like the good guys are gonna do good guy things, not be dicks. <laughs> that the bad guys are perfectly willing to be. Not nah, in this match, Rotundo and Spivey are definitely the baby faces. But they're also will they're coming down to Valentine and, and Beefcake's level yeah. of chicanery and nonsense. I know. Well, it, it yeah, no, there were several points like as the match progressed where I'm like, why the hell is this ref not throwing this match out at this point? Like so many rules got broke. Like so many rules got broken that the outcome became meaningless. Which yeah, I'm like, like why didn't this match get thrown out about like everything? Yeah, everything going wild there. And like, oh, I think God. like, I, I guess I think looking back on maybe it makes a little more sense as I noted to David is that like Matt starts with kind of an unusual format of where of the good guy team beating down on one member of the bad guy team back consistently. That's a very bit of a, that's a bit of a reversal of a usual tag team match formula. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. And then now that I think about it, well, I guess it makes some sense in that both teams are kind of being dicks. And so, you know, yeah, yeah, no, we, uh, we're, we're we're being we're being uh consistent here with the everybody's an asshole theme. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it does end where um Spy Dan Spivey was pinning Brutus Beefcake and for some reason the ref was was um distracted by Mike Rotundo. I don't know why. I don't know what he did. So Valentine runs up to the top runs up to like the top rope. No, he didn't do the top rope, but he runs up and attacks Spivey and hits him in the back. And that knocks Spivey off of of a beefcake. And then Beefcake turns over and pins Spivey. And then the ref turns around and notices. Yeah. That's how they win the match. (laughs) God, this this terrible ref. Again, kayfabe terrible, but still. There was was literally a guy like in the middle of the match that yells, ref! And come on, ref! You can hear the crowd yelling at the Um, referee. But again, it adds to the sportsy feel to be like, oh man, the ref's shit. Like, like the refs, like kind of like I was talking about. I know that. I know that feeling as a football fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's a whole fraught issue. No, but like I, I kind of what I was talking about in the first half ended up being kind of prophetic because in all of the matches here, the refs felt like they had a more active role. Um, mm-hmm. one of the things that really stuck out to me early on in this first match was, um, you know, early on you had people trying to do like, I don't know what those are, but like, you know, when they had them kind of like choked up against the, the, the ropes, um, you had the ref getting in there a lot 
to say they had to break the hold at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like, you know, an actually recognizable cousin to real wrestling in that right. in that way. Like the ref having to like it's not just like a, a free for all brawl. It's you know, um, they have setups and they're you know they try to get advantages over each other, and the ref will start and stop and get them into new positions, kind of based on what's going on. Yeah. Um, it, it it that that stuck out to me early on. The refs had this really really active role. They weren't just like dudes randomly like walking around and occasionally yell. No, they they were like, they like were hey, involved. no, you can't do that. Yeah, the refs were they you know not all of them were named, but they were all they were all they were characters in each yeah. one. They were they were recognizable you know parts of the f- narrative of the of each fight. Um, and that helps with the this is a legitimate sport vibe. Um. So it was it was cool to kind of like from the get go see just how dedicated they used to be to that aesthetic. Yeah. In in, uh, in in ways you wouldn't always think of because like nowadays I take for granted that the ref is there, but just kind of is there and doesn't do much else a lot of the time. But here, like they're they're so much a part of it, um, that that it it feels holistic as a as a yeah. sports match. Definitely. Uh the match overall is fine. I don't yeah. think I don't think any of them are that compelling. <laughs> no, no. So nah. like they ha- there's good moments, but it's not like wow, really gripped by this. <laughs> you know, I like like I enjoy I enjoy uh IRS because I know that he's IRS, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Hammer, hammer when he like falls down to sell is hilarious. Oh my god, yeah, the way Hammer sells, he does like the cartoon thing where he'll kind of like he'll kind of like stand around in a daze for a second and then just like completely horizontal. Yeah, Yeah, he's great. I love that. I that's one of those things I will never get tired of wrestlers selling that way. I love it. I love it when wrestlers do the cartoon thing. CM Punk will do that sometimes, and I'm like, yet another reason why I love you. Like, just I, I, I. That will never get old. It's such a good visual. And when you do it well, it looks like you're a like 3D mm-hmm. cartoon character. It makes yeah. me so happy. Hammer. Oh, my God. Uh, Greg Hammer, the Hammer Valentine, he warmed up and he got the dub. Uh, yep, yep. He, he had his time to warm up, which there are time limits on these matches, too, which we'll talk about later. But oh, my that God. That will come up later in a That's negative, so I think, for sure. But yeah, yeah. They again part of the legitimate sport vibe is to try to have time limits. You see, AEW also has explicit time limits for the exact same reason. Really? Yes. I didn't I don't remember that from like the couple of times we've watched. No, they do. They've even had a couple of draws. Um I'll pa- I'll come talk about that in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, they have legitimate time limits that they mention on on the show of like this is the time limit. That's how long we got. Hmm. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, I don't remember if the Dino Bravo match came. I'll, we'll go and talk about this before we mention the talk. Come back to the one of the interview bits, but I don't remember what the timing was exactly. It doesn't really matter. But the next match was Dino Bravo and Scott McGee that we had in progress. Even didn't even didn't even bother starting from the beginning. I know. Uh, that match was like it's probably the closest thing to a squash. We have on this show a jobber squash. Yeah. Just because Scott McGee doesn't, nobody cares. He doesn't do any, he doesn't really yeah. make himself oh, known oh. at any point. It is Boost. all about making, yeah, I don't know either. It's all about making Dino Bravo look like a powerhouse. Eh? Works. Yeah. For the most part. 
Uh, only thing interesting is we talked, was we kind of hinted at like that cool athletic ending where um, Dino, where uh, Scott McGee is trying to run off the ropes and do like a, a crossbody. Dino Bravo anticipates that and ducks down and makes yep. and makes Scott McGee fly over him. And then oh my he picks God, up. So and then he picks up Dean. And then he picks up McGee to pin him for us with him with a suplex and pin him. It's but so that was good. so cool. I love I love when the fight choreography just has like little bits of like little surprising moments like that because like technically that's not a hard thing to execute like you know you you hit the deck and the guy jumps over you um mm-hmm. but but like it moves so quickly that like you don't ex- you don't expect that and like it's not like it's not a common thing to see done so whenever somebody executes it it does kind of catch you in a flash you're like oh oh shit oh no so it was it was just so much fun to see like the little reversal like that. Um, again, simplicity that is w- well executed. Simplicity seems to be a motif here. Um, yes. It works and it, and it works well. And I was compelled by that. And I was like, and I loved watching the replay. And it didn't you know feel less impressive seeing it the second time around. They they did a good job um, with just the, those little I- moves. Uh, you mentioned I made, I made fun of all their replays as being like Zack Snyder esque because they yeah. keep doing all these slow mos. Like, True. And then um, before we get to the next, but whenever I'll say they have to give us a bit with the honky tonk man outside oh, yeah. of outside of the Elvis uh, Heartbreak Hotel. I'm pretty sure it's a restaurant, I guess. But I guess. as I mentioned to David, is a, a, an oft forgotten part of this is that honky tonk man is a heel. But this is like early stage heel because he used to be a baby face. And the exact same character. And nobody cared. Uh, In fact, I believe one of the impetuses for his heel turn is that they did like a a WWE magazine fan poll of like how well you do you like the honky tonk man? And the votes were a resounding no. Oh, my God. Was it was it like just him they asked about? Uh, I think they ask about a couple of different people, but like they ask about like, do you like the honky tonk man? And the fans vote and the mail in vote was in no. And so he kind of hooks up with Jimmy Hart and becomes a heel. And so that's he's with Jimmy Hart now. But did that make people like him? No, it made him dislike him, though. Like that was the heel move, though, Is, is they leaned into the fact that he's obnoxious. As opposed to trying to be like, look at this guy. Isn't he likable? He likes Elvis. You know, that's such a... The kids of the 80s loved Elvis, you know. <laughs> like, he's such a like, he's such a likable guy. And everyone's like, no, he's kind of obnoxious. And his character is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're like, wait, what if we made him a bad guy? Where now, what if we lean, lean what if we in, lean, baby? What if we lean into the fact that everyone thinks he's dumb? He's an idiot. <laughs> and... But he's at the Heartbreak Hotel, and they're like trying to talk about he, he's gonna have his honky tonk. You're gonna have your own your own restaurant, baby, ha! Huh? And he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have my own restaurant, and while we're gonna have it, the restaurant, we're gonna have the honky burgers. Oh yeah, baby, honky burger, oh baby, honky burgers. What the hell? No, it was it was a thing. I guess I, I guess we're just. My God, he's Elvis. He's Elvis. Do you get? He's Elvis. No, really? Yeah. Except, except, like as he gets more and more heel, he just kind of starts denying that Elvis exists, right? Yeah, yeah. He 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 leans away from Elvis existing at some later as he gets more heel. 
it's so stupid. I love how detached from reality the, the heels of this era are. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was that was an interesting thing. You yeah. know, they said they 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 do like a they say something about the Heartbreak Hotel, and I was like, the fuck, what, Shawn Michaels here? No, I was like, I was like, oh my god, time. we're doing it. I didn't realize we were doing an L, we're doing a honky talk bit in this episode. Oh, I was not. Uh, prepared to see his ugly mug again. Oh boy. Okay. Oof. Uh, the next match is Paul Roma and Barry O, which I who... thought would be more jobbery, but I, he really kind of wasn't. No, and and who turns out is freaking Randy Orton's uncle. Yes, he's short for Barry Orton. Uh, and his real is... first name is Randall. Yeah, so I made a joke. It's like alternate reality where he goes by Randall Orton, and instead of Randy Orton, the modern wrestler, he goes by his middle name, so he's Keith Orton. Yeah, that's so. That's so funny that he like that. I I, I just I I said this to you when we were watching. I love when wrestling runs in the family. There's something. There's something that's so wholesome about it. Of just like this very weird thing being your family business mm-hmm. they really try to make paul roma seem out like a future star in the making here and i'm afraid i just don't see it so kind of took me yeah. out of the entire thing like he he feels generic <laughs> like that was my takeaway from paul roma is he, uh, yeah. lo- he looks a lot like half the roster of baby faces around here <laughs> that i mean they the way they talked about him felt reminiscent of how one two three kid gets talked about in the new generation mm-hmm. except like one two three kid had the standout star making bullshit to um to 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 like actually back it up whereas here is Roma? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like this. This the, the, the one, two, three kid. Not to make this too much of a pun on his future name, he just had that X factor about him that like made him see like be like, yeah, like when they talk about him as of like he's a star of the future. You could buy that. Yeah. Looking at Paul Roma, I just don't buy him as being like a top guy in the sometime in the future. <laughs> yeah. I, it- I, I, part of it's the name too. What the hell kind of champion name is Paul Robe? I don't know. It's just um, so. It's just. It's just a whatever name. <laughs> yeah, it. It sounds like it should belong to a jobber. Rand or, or not? Not Randy. Uh, Barry. Um, Barry. Oh dear lord. Barry O sounds more like he could be an actual character. A dumb one. But... A dumb. Yeah, the name's very dumb. Not not a star name either. But you know, more memorable than Paul Roma. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um. And and with a more memorable get up, he's got like these very colorful like uh, tights pants, and I loved it. Um, um, but but yeah, it was it was a good showing. Honestly, I, I think athletically it was a better showing from Barrio than it was from Roma too. Roma was just kind of like you know par for the course. Barrio actually like had some uh, had some moves to him. I think. Yeah, I would. Yeah, Barrio was all right, but just not impressed with Paul, especially with by how much they were trying to talk him up. Yeah, well, um, well, there, there's a reason we haven't heard of Paul Roma outside of this. So, yeah, Paul Roma's not have us. It isn't exactly a Hall of Fame caliber guy. Looking back now, he's just there. He's just there. But you know, I, yeah. Um, and then 
there I, I did this in the wrong order but i just want to go ahead and skip to the two part non-wrestling parts they did left if they try oh, to do yeah. this like video package hyping up king kong bundy versus kamala as kind of like a who's oh, the yeah. better giant battle thing which is i think is a little weird because they're both heels i don't know why they're doing it doing this like i'm pretty sure he's a heel i'm pretty sure kamala's a heel i, I don't think he's a baby face but it, i don't again, know it feels weird that they would point him at bundy then who is definitely I, a heel as part of the Heenan family. Look, we've learned with we've learned with Vince, sometimes aesthetic matters more than like narrative sense. Yeah, so they like they're talking about their big moves. Uh we get to see how uncomfortably dated Kamala is. Because the full name of Kamala is Kamala the Ugandan giant. So <laughs> he 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 wears the face paint and he's got the tiki mask and he's got the, the skirt, like the, 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 I can't think of what material I'm talking about here. Uh, the, the, the grass, the burlap, like the burlap. Oh, skirt. oh, oh. And, and it's like, Oh, great. This is such a great portrayal of an, and, and, and you have Brooklyn brawler in his beekeeper. costume. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, as, as his, as his handler or whatever. Um, and then, but then otherwise it's just like Bundy gets to cut a promo and just yells at like how he, he's the strong, he's stronger than Kamala. I don't know what this builds to at all. So I can't really comment on it or like, talk about the storyline because i didn't even know this ever happened yeah i i i I don't know bundy's fun enough kamala is yeah cool thanks for that maybe we'll see more of it in the future i guess hopefully not if we're lucky i don't want to deal with the race yeah we get we get the can-am connection interview you know oh yeah god uh yeah it's just an interview between you know the members of the can-am connection the very canadian rick martell and the very american tom zink ah david audio no audio from you david i have no idea why this happened we had technical issues about this when we were trying to get this set up and then what do you know it happened again uh so going to ramble here for a second but yeah um tom zink uh not tom zink first let's start with um rick martell uh rick martell uh is he's doing he's using a lot of those classic those classic uh yeah david hello please yeah yeah gotcha yeah okay rick martell he he's just saying generic babyface stuff and using you know a lot yeah, to fill to fill time between sentences, it happens. Oh, and he speaks in he speaks in French at one point. Oh yes, he at the he ends the interview using his native French because he's French Canadian. He he asks that that was that was that was Gene who's no no that was the random not Gene guy. that was random that was this random interview I don't know his name couldn't yeah. tell you who it is. Uh, he like asked permission to speak in his native language and he just goes off and and we're like okay. <laughs> yeah, and then Zink gets the mic and he starts talking about like. They are the connection. They, Zink and Martell, are the connection, but also the fans are the connection. They're all con- all connected. You know, really. We're kumbaya, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It was just just kind of generic stuff. Um, yeah, no- nothing real special going on here. It was fun to hear dudes speaking French, I guess. Yeah, Johnny Valiant was trying out some French when he was managing Dino Bravo. <laughs> like, 
hell. Oh, I will also say the pan the, 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 the Can Am connection also they, they look very similar to each other. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, like they're both tan dudes with mullets and about the same size and similar faces, I even think. I was like, are they siblings? No, they're not. They're not even the same nationality. Yeah. But uh, one thing that I would, I don't know, I, I enjoyed it more a couple weeks back on this show because I did watch some of the primetime wrestling episodes before this is they mm-hmm. did a bit where like they like to show off how much a heartthrobs the Can-Am connection are there as they're coming into the building. Like this gaggle of girls is like chasing them and they security has to push them out and their shirts are all torn open as if the, the women were tearing their shirts off. Like, I thought that was funny. It, you know, I thought that was kind of a cute. Okay. That, that is, that is funny. Beating off the women with a stick over here. Uh, not this interview. Them just being like, yeah, we're, we're, we're baby faced. I, I like, like, there's something, maybe this is problematic. There's something I always find really funny about, like, the having to, like, fend off, like, hordes of lady admirers and just being like, no, no, I don't want this. Get away. Oh, my woes. I'm just too attractive. Maybe it's just like the, maybe it's just like the, the awkward bean in me that's like, that's like, I wouldn't know how to handle that. So I feel like it's speaking to me. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> but but regardless, so okay, that that's a, that does sound kind of charming. Yeah. Then our second to last match, we get Don Morocco and Coco Beware, which David had a hard time, didn't realize that we're like when they kept talking about Frankie and birds, that the Coco Beware having a parrot was a literal. Literal. I thought I thought it was Bobby Heenan making a derogatory comment about like some woman that that. No, 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 he was no, he was shitting on an actual parrot. <laughs> why? Why is there an actual parrot at ringside, dude? I can't wrap my head around this. That's not the only animal on this show. But like, but Matilda isn't kept around at ringside. It's true, but yeah, they keep they keep Frankie the parrot like on a stand, literally in the middle of the in the entrance ramp. How they train him to sit there for an entire match is beyond. No, the parrot never moved. It was incredibly well trained to sit there. I have no idea. I guess. I guess back in the day, WWF like could uh, could afford to hire like top tier animal handlers. Because I'll talk about Matilda too. But like, why? How does the parrot? How how is the parrot just sitting there? Why does it never feel the need to like take to the skies in this very spacious arena? What? Yeah. The- huge spaces arena with thousands of people yelling i know and it's just and like it's just sitting there and, and, and a fight taking place within very close proximity to it unfazed unfazed parrot good parrot best good parrot. i love it good good parrot get a cracker <laughs> yeah uh don morocco and coco beware they do a very standard you know big strong boy bad guy against little littler guy baby face yeah it's very very basic story in that regard and oh man they were they were glistening they were oh they got sweaty don morocco is a sweaty boy (laughs) they were i i i like i like how um i like how like compact coco looks like like he looks Mm -hmm. he feels short he feels like a short boy but but like one of those short boys that can like kick your ass oh yeah coco beware is great on the baby face comeback you know doing the top rope drop kick and then he he throws morocco into the into the ring into the corner and morocco like flips and then he starts doing running punches to his head Mm -hmm. good stuff 
Yeah. It, it was a fun, it was, I would say it was a pretty fun match till the end, which is weird. It's so stupid. They, they, you know, it's, it's fun. Again, all, all the matches on this were fun. But yeah, the ending to this, uh, hey, remember those time limits we mentioned earlier? Yeah, this one actually came into play. All the matches we watched on this were like actually decently long matches, which was also part of the fun. Like it wasn't any like five minute squashes. They were all like, they all ran like, I think mm-hmm. through commercial breaks. Um, I think the Dino Bravo one didn't, but that's the only one. Yeah, but then, but like, I was just having so much fun with uh with uh Valiant on the side. I didn't even give a shit. Yeah, just like, but 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 yeah. Um, but this one, they they actually ran into their fifteen minute time limit, uh, and the match was declared a draw, and the audience was pissed, and I think I was too. Right. So the thing is, draws can work in wrestling. There's plenty of examples of this, but I, I, to, to kind of pick apart some problems. One, it didn't really feel like the wrestlers knew that they were at their time limit mm-hmm. because like a lot of time limit draws, they'll space it out so precisely that they'll have some big dramatic moment right before the time limit. Usually yeah. like a pinfall or a submission attempt mm. to like, to like, really amp up this tension that like, Oh shit, are they going to win before the time runs out? And then they don't, but this match. No, it's like, they just kind of have to stop. Like Coco beware is in the middle of his like big comeback. He's just, he's laying in the punches on Morocco. And then suddenly, well, bell rings time's up. And it's like, Oh, like, Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I, I guess it's over. So you have that problem. And then the second problem is the announcers don't really know it's time limit either. Because they both just kind of casually mention that, like, ah, it's been, I think we're, it's been about 15 minutes. We're coming up near the end of the match. And 30 seconds later, the match is over. There was no yeah. build up to the drama of, like, oh shit, this could actually run out of time. Because by yeah, the time they, because by the time they decide to try to make add that drama point, it is over. Yeah. And, and like, I, I assume, you know, in this episode, and I assume this as a broad trend, um, the time limit doesn't get rubbed up against very often. So like, no. it's not like some, some like Hitchcockian thing where you tell the audience at the beginning, there's a time limit and they're going to be suspenseful about, can they reach a decision within the time limit? No, the audience isn't goddamn thinking of that. So there's no, like, there's no, uh, th- there, there's no like satisfaction to this. It's just, it's just annoying to reach the time limit and like have nothing, nothing to show for it. Yeah, most of the time, the time limits don't really come into play. So, mm-hmm. and it can work when they do call out to it, but you have to call out to it. As an example of how uh, a way to make it work really well is New Japan Pro Wrestling has very strict time limits. Every five minutes, their announcer will come on the, will tell, be like, five minute call, 25 minutes to go. So the audience is constantly reminded of how much time it's been and how much time is left. So that it's not just like, Oh, I, I guess it's over. Yeah. That's, um, the real, that's kind of the real problem. I think is that is there's this, this sense of, Oh, I guess it's over as it, opposed to a real dramatic end point. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what it felt like. I'm like, Oh, it's over. Um, that's unfortunate. It, yeah, th- there was there was no satisfaction to it. So so the audience was pissed. I was annoyed. It it wasn't it wasn't a great way to go about it. But like you know that that's just like the quirk of this company. Like still 
it, you know, it's it's the late 80s and there's still got a lot of identity, uh, identity finding to do a lot of things to learn. It's one of those things I'm always willing to forgive of just like a quirk of the early days. I literally made the comment to you while we were watching of like, gee, I wonder why they did away with this because it's, yeah, 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 clearly WWE, doesn't work. Yeah, WWE stopped caring about time limits. I think New Generation was about when they rounds about that time was when they were like, who cares? They will end when they end, and they conveniently always end in the correct time period, time, uh, time block. Yeah. Um. It. it, it, it just, yeah. Well done. I mean, right. It's 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 the it's it's what you want in your wrestling of of if you know again the legitimate sports feeling versus the like you know reality show where with with scripted fighting feeling of like. For once, I I don't feel the uh, the 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 creeping feeling of like wow. Uh, within this narrative, everything just happens to drop perfectly into Vince McMahon's lap, and nothing's planned for. Versus like, oh, this feels like you know legitimate, and everything's like properly scheduled. But damn, there's no narrative. Yeah, there's no narr- There's no real narrative flow to any of these matches, except yeah, the, and uh, and the sometimes end, the main event is really only one of these that has any significance on anything. I think. Yeah, and 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 like sometimes a time limit gets rubbed up against, and like, oh shit! Well, I guess the match ends without a decision. Cool. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, but then our, our main event, uh, the tag team champ, one half of the tag team champions, Davy Boy Smith and the Junkyard Dog, take on the Heart Foundation. And the story of this match is that Danny Davis is a piece of shit. Yeah, pretty much. Like uh, this, this was this was the the payoff to the bad guy, uh, the bad guy ref you were telling me about earlier of like, of like, yeah, no, well, what you said was entirely correct. It felt like a parallel to the first match where there was definitely some, some hardcore cheating going on. Um, but at this time it was completely enabled by the ref. And yeah, it was all like him doing these very subtle ways. It wasn't some like cartoony thing. It was, it was him like giving himself a shit ton of plausible deniability to help out the heart foundation. Yeah, like like a big like the pretty much entire first portion of the match before the commercial break was built around the idea of like hair pulling. So you'd get these situations where, you know, one or the two good guys would get would get the heart foundation up against the ropes and the ref would be like, yeah, you know, get off of that. But then he'd also be like, hey, no hair pulling when the story being, of course, no, he didn't pull the hair. What the ref is just being a dick. But he gets plausible deniability because you know they were they were tussling up against the ropes. You know maybe he saw wrong. You know he gives himself these outs. Yeah, to, to argue that he wasn't being unfair. Well, I mean, Even one of the though- most pointed ones was like the one where he's like getting Jim Neidhart back in the corner. Uh, Brett was fighting the ring, and and Jim uh, the Anvil Neidhart pops into the ring, and he's trying to push Neidhart back out of the ring, and while he's doing that. Um, um, uh, uh, Davy Boy, Davy Boy, thank you, Jesus. Um, Davy Boy gets a pin on Brett, but he doesn't see it for a solid like 10 seconds because he's pushing Nightheart in the corner. He's so he's like enforcing time. a rule against the slow. heel. He's taking his slow time to get Nightheart out of there. Yeah, back in he's, he's, he's enforcing the rule against the heel, but oops, it just so happens that because of that, he doesn't see the face get the, the what would have been the, the match winning pin. Oh, well, it happens. Mm. And like, it goes that round and round the whole match of like, mm-hmm. and yeah, you make a good point to the parallel. Is it like 
there's a lot of messy nonsense that happens in this match, just like in the first tag team match. But the first tag team match, it felt like the ref was just incompetent because they don't call out the idea of like that being an issue. Whereas in this match, it's it's 100% intentional that like the Hart Foundation is getting away with stuff because Danny Davis is is pointedly favoring them in all of his calls. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, it, it's, it's a very, um, it's, a, I, I like how sneaky it is. And I liked too, there was this visual kind of visual representation. This is the crooked ref. And that at one point, Danny Davis's shirt gets like partially unfucked and it just stays that way. I have never seen that happen to a ref. Not in me any either. Case. I mean, yeah. either. And I was like, dude, tuck your shirt in. I know, but it, it was very, it was very, um, um, it, it was, it was, it was this great little, like visual distinction of like this is the evil ref see his unkempt shirt yeah <laughs> and um i think this is your first intro to the i'd say it's the first intro of the junkyard dog but he doesn't he doesn't really do a whole lot because and i get why because he's a replacement for davy for dynamite kid here mm. like the heart foundation doesn't really have any beef with the with the junkyard dog they have beef with davy boy smith so that's where the majority of this match is for he do be a loud boy though Oh, he is so loud. <laughs> oh, yeah, shake, rattle, roll, baby. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go, David Boy. Like, he's so loud. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it was, it was, um, it, it was kind of funny that, like, you were not exaggerating. Yeah, he is, he is a cartoon character come to life with the bull, with the junkyard dog. Um, it, it yeah, no, I'm just like, I was just watching it of, of like, I didn't realize that sound was coming from him at first. I mm. thought it was coming from the, I thought it was coming from like the same audience dude that was going like, what are you doing, ref? And like the first, the first match. And then I slowly realized his mouth was moving in sync with those sounds. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yep. That, that's the junk. That's JYD. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that, so that was interesting. Uh, I the 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 Hart Foundation uh, match too here this this kind of this this headline match, um, it was very it it was interesting for me to watch because I remember distinctly in like one of our very first eighties era episodes episodes we covered it might have even been the first one we saw a Hart Foundation match and I believe I liked, it was the first one actually I likened them for some reason to like to like cartoony henchmen. And now looking back, knowing what I kind of like having the appreciation I have for like the Heart Foundation for for the Hearts for Jim Neidhart for all that, um, I don't know why the hell I said that. I mean, to be fair, they were doing henchman work for Honky Tonk Man the first they time were. we ever saw them. <laughs> they were, but like, it's so it's so bizarre for me to look back on that comment and like for me to s- compare that against like now what I understand about their whole body of work and just how dignified they are as individual performers um um that i couldn't like i i i kind of had to sit there and be like damn what was i talking about back then <laughs> um but but what that kind of helped me realize too cuz i was thinking about like you know the 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 little bits of umbrage or the the umbrage i took with like the 80s era um, I was sitting there being like, what's different here? Why am I enjoying? Because, because I think part of it is just like added perspective now of like, I have more of an appreciation for for why the history the way is it, why the history is the way that it is. But I started to think of like, what is the difference? Why am I enjoying this more now than I did like when we first watched? Um, and I think 
what it might be is that the golden age, like, or what we saw of the golden age way back when, it's like I, I've talked about the new generation as like a Frankenstein of of errors before. This the the golden age even in some ways feels like that too because the golden age like going into like the late eighties early nineties that was um that was a Frankenstein between like them trying to push it as a legitimate sportsy thing and them trying to like introduce all these like big narrative aspects to it. Um, yeah, and, and it's and, been. Yeah, there's Sorry, also the I think is also like the glitz and glamour of the Saturday night's main events in particular, in a way yeah. that like the like these matches because they're just house show matches that they are gonna put on TV, like it has that like different ambiance than what they're trying for when they're like on their NBC specials. Yeah. Um it's it, it but but it it didn't feel what what's the term what's the term I'm looking for here? Like 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 when we watched it, there was a, there was this hokiness to it because it was kind of very state where it's going from it's going from sportsy to narrative, um, and here with it being like all sports all the time, um, again the 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 kind of that kind of distilled feeling I talked about earlier was very pervasive, and I got to sit there really appreciating the early days of the Heart Foundation. With the added benefit of being, uh, you know, a fan in 2021 who knows the whole history of these guys and just how fucking respectable they are. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, whereas back then, A, I didn't have the perspective, but B, like, there was probably something about the way it was done that it didn't get to, I, it didn't get to show that off quite as much. Um, it, that, that could be part of why a lot of stuff about that era turned me off is because it felt like this weird in-between stage between these two things, these two elements of wrestling that I really enjoy. I like the sports elements. I like the narrative elements, but something about the way they were in like the very late eighties through a lot of the nineties up until like the, uh, um, up until the attitude era, it was kind of in this transitionary period with the two of those where those two things almost felt in conflict a lot of the times mm -hmm. i think and and you obviously you're more the historian here than i and you can tell me if that's if that's an incorrect read but at least to me kind of like trying to make sense of this all and think of it through the lens of like damn i'm really enjoying the Howard foundation here and what the fuck was i talking about early on <laughs> um um it, i'm realizing like there's this there's this tension between those two things that doesn't exist later on because early on they didn't have like that tension to begin with. And later on they, they finally figured out the formula and finally figured out the balance. What's, what's your kind of take on that? I mean, yeah, I can see, I can see where you'd see that of like, they're like, it's, it's supposed to be trying to take itself so seriously as a sport, but then like you have these clearly fictional narratives. And I think that the way the eighties gets out around that is to not go too crazy like there's a lot of drama to it and there's like they have a lot of they have a lot of like dramatic storylines but they're also very simple and told very basically through like matches and like just yelling at each other and as as promos at a mic at an interview set and i do think that like as they like as they transition more into trying to be like a tv narrative and what all that and being a tv soap opera and all that entails like that does run in conflict with what they're doing in 87. 
like the like it doesn't quite work the same way like I, it's hard it's very hard to balance both of those concepts they don't go together that great yeah uh, it it i i i think i i think balance is is the key word there um it, the it, no realizing now like that the narrative elements weren't used to be not nearly as heavy as they you know got um it must have been a culture shock to like just all of a sudden like boom everything's a lot more story driven these days um and they it it felt like early on they were trying to express that narrative through the old-fashioned way mm -hmm. but with how heavy things were getting that doesn't like work and it it wasn't until like kind of the modern sensibilities on promos and stuff that it really started to all come together mm -hmm. um it's 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 a lot of the, it's it's how do you make it aesthetically work um and that 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 will determine like um the how effective the narrative feels because if you're presenting it just through like interview segments and stuff then it's just it feels stilted and that was a lot of the issue i had is like a lot of that felt stilted whereas like in modern day it's 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 reality tv basically so mm -hmm. so it reads it reads like you know it reads like a fictional narrative with a three-act structure sort of right thing. yeah like this it is early era is a lot is a lot more gen, is a lot more basic in how they decide to try and try to tell storytelling as, as as you say as you point out yeah it's very it's still following a very old school philosophy about how wrestling storytelling works is you can have dramatic elements yes but it's still all about like basic interview setup it is 99% basic interview setups and matches they're not doing anything that crazy <laughs> Yeah, no. Like the, uh, like the, the lengthy monologues that WWE has become known for, like those don't <laughs> exist. It's, you know, there's we're doing matches here. The closest you're going to get is the talking sh is the talk shows is the closest to that kind of concept you're going to get. Yeah, no. Um, it, it it feels a lot different. It feels again like they're trying to present like a legitimate sports show. Um, and the and, simplicity and, legit, legit, and legitimate sports don't have guys go out there and monologue for 15 yeah exactly exactly before they have a match not a single damn person grabbed a mic after this match which i noticed too like that was conspicuously <laughs> absent um so it is funny that uh it, again again simplicity keeps it from like keeps it from some of the things that have really excited me about some of the things we've watched in the past from this company but um, but it keeps things simple and, and it, allows and it, you... and it keeps and it keeps things working within the way they're trying to present this narrative yep. present this aesthetically. Yeah, and and it keeps things moving along at a nice enough pace too that you never that that I never felt like super like oppressed by the presence of one storyline or another because mm -hmm. just fight to fight to fight with some fun commentary in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so the main event ends when. Uh, to call it the kind of the culmination of the heel ref is that so they're doing them. So he tries to um, is he is the referee is is messing around with Jim Neidhart to explicitly give Brett time to fuck around and not lose. So Brett pins JYD. But then while he, the referee has still got his back turned messing around with Neidhart, Davy Boy Smith runs in and flips the pin over. So now JYD is pinning Brett. Referee didn't notice, doesn't notice this. So he quick turns around and does a fast count because he's trying <laughs> to help Brett cheat to win. So he's trying to make it easy. But mm -hmm. then he realizes what he did after he after he did the fast yep. count. 
he realized yeah. he made a mistake and oh no he gave, and he gave jyd the win yeah which i kind of figured it was going to end up that way a because main events don't usually tend to end in the heels uh winning um and b it's really really funny to to have like the crooked ref screw you over even though he's in your favor yeah so the the heart the heart thank i guess it's a nice thing that the heart foundation don't be aren't too mad at him about it like they're they they kind of take it in stride overall and just be like darn it yeah but then they're they're still trying to jaw jack and here comes matilda and so this oh is- god because at the beginning of the match, when Matilda comes out, she is going at the bad guy at the heels. Again, how do you train them to do that? I I assume they train her to like attack on command, and so that like Davy Boy can just like quietly command her when he needs her to do do that. I know, but like, how do you do that without getting getting Jim and and Brett actually fucked up? Oh yeah. Jim runs across the ring to get out of the way. And and she like and Matilda backs Brett into a corner, so he has to climb up the turnbuckle. And she even starts to jump toward him. Yeah. She was going hard at Brett. But then after the match, as the heels kind of try to jaw jack, Davy Boy grabs Matilda and has Matilda chase them off, and they all run off, and that's how the that's how the show ends. Yeah, no, which which was cute. I I like Matilda. Matilda's a lot of fun. Yeah, Matilda's a good. You know, was a good boy. She, she she's great. Um, a good and boy. then, well, that's that's the phrase, isn't it? You know, good boy. I guess I so. You know, everyone calls the dog a good boy. Yeah, so yeah, that's fair enough. I was working at it. Anyway, so match ends, and he and we get uh the um the hype for the next episode that i don't think we're gonna watch but i guess is to go and mention it is it's the 100th episode and gorilla monsoon is all happy about it and he tries to get heenan to be happy because most of heenan's family is going to be there but heenan is being himself about it and he's like and he can he's like eh, you know maybe you're not gonna ma-, and, and gorilla monsoon gives a dig at him of like you're not gonna make it at the 200th episode <laughs> and heenan's <laughs> like, like what the hell kind of threat was that and it's like, well, you're not going to make it to the hundred first. <laughs> Which, and, what kind of threat was that? Yeah, and he and Heenan's like tries to be like, is this? I got an anniversary coming up. It's going to be the one year anniversary of me carrying this show. And that's and that's kind of what we sign off on. Yeah, <laughs> it was cute. Again, I lo- I love their dynamic. Just kind of like that, like bickery odd couple sort of thing. It's it's adorable. Yep. And it's a lot of fun. There are some genuinely funny moments. Yeah. So that, that kind of wraps up our first uh, time as a st- in a real storyline as part of our um, t- and back in the 80s. Um, overall, fun episode. Um, I really enjoy, I really like the Hogan Andre stuff. And good because that was the big story beat. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And like Andre seems to, uh, Andre seems to be like in a, in a place right now where like he's still like, Pretty able to do stuff, so I don't think it's going to be super depressing to see this mm-hmm. play. Um, yeah, this this is this is like Andre's last great stand as a as an in as a as a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much right after, like he was in, he was pretty he stays he does all right with Hogan here, but like pretty much right after that is like well we're done. Well, because 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 Ho- Hogan Andre and again we'll get there, but Hogan Andre at WrestleMania three is pretty legendary of a fight, right? Yes, and and, of, and it's and, and it's not just iconic. like and it's not just like Hogan doing all the leg work while Andre just like staggers around in pain. Like it's actually like Andre's putting in some of the work too, right? 
Uh, we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. That. We'll get yeah. there. Okay. No, no reason to talk about that now. I think, but yeah, Fair I enough. will say that I think that Andre physically is as good as he can get by this. Point. Okay. Yeah. And no. He and he doesn't have a lot of time left. That's why they did this. They that's why they did this match the way the win they did. Not only is this kind of like a that'll that'll get people to buy WrestleMania, but also it's like if we want to do Hogan Andre, like this is it. This is this. Like, we're doing that. We're doing this now, or we're never doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Um. The. Uh, the, 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 I mean, that was kind of like my one point of trepidation going into this is like, oh, God, it was really depressing last time. Don't want to do this again. But we've rewound several years. So I think we're going to be in a place mm -hmm. where, where it'll be like actually fun. It'll be fine. We're, we're, yeah. it, Andre's health hasn't deteriorated enough for this to be, I think, you know, just sad to watch. Yay. Okay. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this then. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So next time on this show, um, normally we would be back to Lucha Underground as part uh, of our. Oh, you know, oh do we normal. have a good one for you guys? Oh, yes, again, normally. Late. Yeah, we've this has been uh, on the on the cards for a couple months now. But anyway, <laughs> as I was going to say, is normally we'd go back to Lucha Underground as part of our normal schedule, but a a unique opportunity. Hey, do you see how I did that there? Ah! Uh, as 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 risen. So the WWE is back on the road. And as of and on the day this airs, actually, for you guys, uh, the day this airs will be a live show in Detroit. Uh, David is in Mich is in Michigan, and I will be up there with him, in fact, to go to the show. So our next episode is going to be about uh, WWE house shows and specifically the one that we're going to. Yes. As WWE has returned to touring after all, after a year and a half, we've we've teased this one off and on, um, mm -hmm. but now but now it's actually happening. We kind of get to drop the announcement, and I'm so so excited. This is gonna be my first live wrestling show. Um, certainly, certainly my first time getting to experience this like with with uh, with Austin live within the confines of our podcast. Um, and oh, it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be a ton, ton, ton of fun. This is this is just such an exciting thing for me, and I'm so so happy we get to we get to kind of share it with the show. Yeah, I think this is gonna be a fun one to talk about. Uh, so then, uh, David, go ahead and hit the plugs. Yes, sir. All righty, my friends. Thank you all once again for joining us on another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a returning listener, viewer, what have you, thank you. Thank you ever so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums and your eyeballs. Uh, we are we are delighted to uh, to spend this time with you. Uh, if you are a first time uh, uh, listener or viewer or what have you with us, welcome. We are delighted to have you. We hope you continue to keep joining us uh, in the future. If you would like to do so and you're not entirely sure how, not to worry, I have you right there. First of all, subscribe to us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice, solid color, not just a little outline bell. You want to hit the hit the bell to make sure you get notifications every time we drop new content. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Uh, in the more recent episodes, you can see our our lovely little faces uh, 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 talking as uh, going as we talk. Um, uh, Austin is also kind enough to organize all the storylines we follow on our YouTube channel into their own individual playlist. So if there's a if there's an era or a company you have a particular interest in following with us or a certain set of uh, story arc episodes you really enjoy personally i love the uh the summer of punk episodes myself uh you can you can check those out in a nice little organized way you can also find us on three of the best places to find your podcast if you're interested in an audio experience only those would be 
Spotify, Apple, and Google. Give us ratings. Uh, uh, give us downloads. Uh, give us reviews. Just, just you know, let 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 us know you enjoy the show, and let the algorithm know you enjoy the show. We have a little, little boost in metrics too, you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Be sure, be sure to check us out. Unfortunately, we can't organize things into into a uh, 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 playlist over there. But still, add us to your playlist and your downloaded episodes. It's a ton of fun. We would love to uh, to have you on, uh, uh, or we would love for you to have us on your Spotify's and the like. Uh, you can also find us on social media. We have a Twitter at Noobs and Knox Pod. That's Noobs, the letter N, Knox Pod. We tweet out a whole bunch of good stuff. Um, we are uh, we 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 like to uh, you know just engage with the broader wrestling fandom community as a whole um we will post every time we drop new episodes uh we send out some dank memes sometimes <laughs> and uh and of course the staple of our twitter page austin likes to live tweet his wrestling watching experience my friend what is on the docket coming up yes uh as every as i do every week uh we will live be live tweeting aew dynamite live on tnt at 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night because why not? Why not monetize the one wrestling show that I consistently watch live every week? Um, however, I also keep up with WWE and Impact Wrestling, and so when they when they or AEW has a pay per view come into town, we'll be live tweeting that as well. Unfortunately, right now we are in a lull in the pay per view schedule. No, I ha- there is basically nothing announced. I will say, go ahead and say, mention the next pay per views. Is that live on the Peacock at on Peacock will be WWE's next pay per view, SummerSlam, August twenty first. 2021 um should be a good one it should be a fun time um but right now there are no matches announced just rumors and setups but nothing official uh then september 5th 2021 is aew's next pay-per-view all out oh man so much exciting stuff uh is rumored for that show you know you 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 know just keep an eye out for a certain punk, maybe. Is my God, I know. Is to be believed. Do but, they have your attention yet? But as for now, we have nothing oh. confirmed official, so I will not say anything oh. about that. Uh, and Impact Wrestling is next pay-per-view is Bound for Glory, October 23rd. Obviously, we're way too far out to have anything set for that. But should be a really fun show because we are they have confirmed that this at uh, the bound for glory will have wrestlers from impact from new japan pro wrestling from aew and from AAA in mexico who knows who else could show up it should be of their last pay-per-view slam anniversary was a whole big show <laughs> of surprises and a lot of fun and just overall a lot of uh, good times. I'll talk for all out and uh, bound for glory. I'll talk more about how to buy those shows when they get a little bit closer. But as for now, that is what is on the schedule upcoming. Yeah, no. So, so, so it's, it's all going to be good stuff guys, especially Mm -hmm. if we get that AEW thing that we're thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So be sure to check that out. Austin's live tweeting is awesome. I love reading it whenever he's putting it out. It's, 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 it's really insightful. It's really funny. It's, it's, uh, it's very, uh, very sharp and witty at times. Just, uh, it's just a good time. If you guys like watching those shows, let us keep you a little bit of company while you do so. Not a bad idea. Uh, Phenomenal. Um, You can also, uh, we also have a, uh, have a Gmail account. Uh, on Gmail, we are uh, noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time knockouts pod at gmail.com. Uh, 
just send us just 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 send us things say hi tell us how much you like to sew how much you like our sexy sexy voices uh uh any any requests you have for things that we cover uh any suggestions things you like about the show things you don't like about the show any of that sort of stuff we just love it when people say hi we would love to say hi back so be sure to email us at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com uh finally you can subscribe to us on our patreon we are also the noobs and knockouts podcast on patreon one dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode see you guys next time hasta luego